right now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We just thank God this morning for another day this morning. Hallelujah. So much to be thankful for. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord again this morning, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, prayer words and intercessions from all around the world, wherever you're chiming in from this morning, we'd like to welcome you and wish you a, just a, a blessed, safe, happy, prosperous Independence Day that you would continue to enjoy all the liberties and freedoms that we have where many have sacrificed ultimately and fought to protect and preserve and defend our right, amen, to life and liberty, the pursuit of happiness, life and liberty this morning. So this is our prayer this morning that you would execute those freedoms and liberties safely this morning with regard for others who are trying to do the same thing and no one will get carried away or so drunk they cannot, amen, continue to enjoy the freedom but turning into a war zone because of that, you know. And so, Father, we just pray for some discipline out there. We pray for some restraint out there. We pray that people would just do the right thing toward one another this morning is our prayer, Lord God. And so bless on this line this morning as we open up your word this morning. We come this morning, Lord God, hallelujah, trusting, being confident, open in, relying on, depending on, being assured of your precious promises that were written for our learning this morning, that we may know you in a more intimate way and be more acquainted with you, that we might be able to share these precious promises that you made with others, Lord God, as we continue to build toward a future of optimal overall wellness in the before-mentioned areas, oh, Lord God. And so we thank you for yesterday as we talked about our relationship with the environment. We talked about so many wonderful things, God, that you have allowed for your people to be able to be partakers of, but we cannot do it without the counsel of your word. We need your word to enlighten us so that we do it within the boundaries of your word. And so we thank and praise you this morning as we open up, Lord God, your word to find more of these revelations. And we pray in the name of Jesus that Holy Ghost, you would go walk us through it this morning, that you would be the speaker this morning. I ask you to speak through me, bring back to my remembrance things that I've said and prepared for, that God might be glorified in everything that flows out of my mouth. Amen. That he can use it for his glory this morning. I thank you for the honor and the privilege of just to be able to say some things about the revelations of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I just give you praise and glory and honor this morning, Lord God, for you chose me. I did not choose you, God. And so, Father, I thank and praise you, Lord God, that I choose you this morning because you first chose me. And I choose to love you and to love your people this morning, Lord God, hallelujah, by keeping your commandments and doing them and trying and striving, Lord God. So I received the discipline this morning, Lord God, as a follower of Christ this morning, to be able, Lord God, to do the work that you called us to do in greater works, Lord God, after the counsel and instruction of your word this morning to show us how. Order our steps now in your word. Let our thoughts come in agreement with your will and purpose and plan this morning. It's our prayer this morning. Let your word go out and not come back forward. But in Jesus' name, we offer this prayer. Bless every household that's represented on this line this morning, whether they be right here, Lord God, commonly known to us, or God, whether they're unknown to us physically. But God, in the name of Jesus, you can reach far. There's no limit to you, no geographical boundaries, oh God. Let your word go out, Lord God, on the wings of the Spirit. Let it take it to those places where it's needed, and let it fall like fresh rain and dew this morning. Let it come down, Lord God, and cause people, Lord God, to hunger and thirst for more of your righteousness, or oh, that they may be filled as our prayer this morning, Lord God. We're praying for the situation that's on the landscape right now. 
so much evil, so much bloodshed, Lord God. We just natural disasters, famines all over the place. We just lifted all up to you. We petition you this morning for your intervention over in Ukraine, continuously to that war is going on, rumors of other wars, other people want to get involved. God, we're just praying right now for Miss Brittany Grounder that she would be released, Lord God, whatever the negotiation. We're praying that, bring, that you bring rest and calm in the, in, in, in the nation, Lord God, where they want to blame the president for doing more, Lord God. But their laws in Russia is different than our laws here, but our laws on the spot there, Lord God. We know that this is a political stunt, Lord God. And so, Father, we just pray right now as the election is building up for two, November, God. We are praying right now that you cancel all the lies and tricks and schemes that are being done, the personal attacks on good, decent people, Lord God, those who have testified at the January 6th committee. We're seeing your justice prevail. Protect Miss Hutchinson, Lord God, who was a bold patriot who told the truth on the oath, God. And let anyone that want to oppose her instead of this going on social media, they'll go and be sworn in and put their hands on the Bible, Lord God, and take that oath, Lord God, and give that rebuttal, Lord God, in a legal way, God. And so, Father, we ask you to counter the, the voice of all the lies and deception that are being told and attack on her personal character and integrity, Lord God. We see what's happening, Lord God. You open the eyes to see that your justice shall prevail at the end of the day. Praying that you strengthen Miss Liz Cheney and Mr. Kissinger, Lord God, two Republicans on that committee, that you put a hedge of protection around them and their family with all the threats are coming in, violence, oh Lord God. And so, Father, we just pray for peace right now in that situation. Shield them and protect them. Keep them safe in Jesus' name. And we thank you now, Lord God, for it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, then we're going to get here into this word this morning. We thank God for his word this morning. Uh, this is Monday morning. Amen. July the 4th. Amen. One day away from Pastor Sharon's birthday. Her birthday is tomorrow. So we just uh, thank God for the day before. Amen. Fourth of July. Amen. Praise God for her birthday that's coming tomorrow. Amen. And so this morning we want to pick up our study in the book of First John, the fourth chapter. Amen. We've been dealing with verse seven parts A, B, C, and D. There's like four precepts to this verse, and it covers a lot of area, amen, a lot. This word has so many, uh, as I told you at the beginning, we would spend some time here looking at love from so many different, uh, so many different uh, angles, amen. Uh, seeing love in so many different ways that we've never seen it before. And sometimes, uh, un 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 unless you understand how broad love is and, and how God uses his love. Uh, sometimes we just think it's giving people everything that they want. Like, like some folks perceive that that's how the church is. Uh, been my experience as a pastor that people would come there and expect church to do certain things because that's how they've been taught this, about the church. Amen. But the Lord uh, loves through the church, but he also disciplines through the church sometimes. And so he has to have a certain kind of leader uh, that's not afraid to say no sometimes because it's for the good of the people. We don't want to cast our pearls among swine. We don't want to uh, enable people uh, to become crippled and depend uh, on the church for everything and then end up not being, becoming lazy and lethargic and don't want to do anything for themselves. And sometimes leaders are so afraid not to do what people put pressure on them to do because they're afraid they may lose membership, which to them is losing money because, you know, people pay their tithes, bring their tithes there and give that tithe to the work. So it's so many uh, angles that we have to look at love and we have to be able to distinguish between God's love and man's love. Man's love is always, uh, to me, from my, been my experience and what I've seen, 
in ministry is from a position of fear. They're afraid that they may lose people. They're afraid of what people may think about them. They're afraid. And what conquers fear is love. And you got the love of God shed abroad in your heart. It conquers it. It should conquer that fear where, you know, if it has to be tough decisions that are made, warnings that are given, then, hey, it's for the betterment of the people, especially if we operate from the word of God. Sometimes we operate from our own feelings and emotions, and, and that, that's what gets love sometimes misunderstood by people who need love is because they think that we're being too harsh or we're being too difficult or we're being, you know, and we get into this habit sometimes of saying what God won't do. Like, like okay, let me tell you something. There's nobody higher than God. And our job is to tell people what God has already done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. It's not our job to say God, what God won't do. That's not our job. That's not our role. And I hear that so much coming from leaders. You know, our job is to tell people, testify to what he has already done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. Let's avoid getting into this habit of saying what God won't do, you know, because we have to back it up with Scripture. And it ain't in there. It, it warns the people of what will happen if they do this. That's as far that's the, as far as we can go right there. It's warning the people based on the scripture. But when I put myself out there and make myself an authority, I just took the place of God. God don't need us to tell people what he won't do. That's not our job. Our job is we're commanded to preach the word of God to the people of God. And in there are warnings, in there are instruction and righteousness, in there are reproofs. The word tells people what, what God wants to do, what God will do. And it's not our job. It's the word. Let the word convict their hearts. Let the Holy Ghost convict them. It's powerful. It's sharp. But when we get into this habit of thinking that we're here to tell people what God wants to do, I, I remember distinctly years ago, my personal testimony, you've heard it before. I, God told me, don't you try to prove to people who I am. I'll do that myself. You just make sure that you can defend your confession of faith. And that's what the word of God allows me to empower me or anyone that speaks on the behalf of God to do. So let's be agents where we are acting as ambassadors representing him, telling people what he's already done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do by what is already foretold in the word of God. And let's not get into this business of saying, I'm going I'm to I'm throw this out there too because I'm hearing it more and more now. We do not know how people think. We know how they act if they're dealing with us in a relationship. So let's get out of the business of saying what some people think. We don't know what people think. I've been so guilty of that. And I keep catching myself sometimes wanting to say that, wanting to say what God, you know, I'm saying it because I'm first partaker. I'm guilty. But God has been convicting me and dealing with me about that and telling me that's not what I called you to do. That's not what I'm anointed on you to, is to do. It's to take my word and keep it pure, keep it unadulterated, don't add nothing to it, don't take nothing from it. This is how I know that you love me, because you are keeping my commandments. You're not making up your own. You're not becoming some dogmatic authority to say, well, God, that's not what he, that's not what he saved and, 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 and anointed me to do. And I want to go on record just to have you to say that, and I need you that if you hear me saying what God won't do, if you hear me saying how people think, you then you correct me. I need you to correct me. It's not the kind of teacher, preacher, pastor, minister that I want to be. It misrepresents God, who he is in my life. And so I need you to help me in that area. I'm working on it. I'm being, I'm trying to catch my tongue, not to go there. 
but it seems like we're a lot of, I heard it so much uh, yesterday as I listened to some videos of some, I do that sometimes, I listen to what other people are teaching and preaching out there sometimes so I'll know what the need is, you know, and a lot of people are doing that. You know, they're, they're starting out by saying what people think, start out by saying what God won't do. And I said, just open up the word and preach what he's already done and what he's doing and what he promised to do. That has been foretold by what the prophets have already written. You know, that, that, that'll get people saved because that's the power right there of the gospel. God's word must go out. Not my, 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 my way of doing things. You know, it's like it's like a it's like a, 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 a vicious cycle we in. It's like a trend that goes throughout the body of Christ. You know, I was listening at uh Revlo Dollar not coming clean that you know, and it's out there. Some of you probably already seen it, saying that all them years he preached prosperity gospel that tithes and offerings is not in the Bible. I was like, This man had lost his mind. See, now he's becoming an authority. He's saying that was for old that was for the old, under the old covenant. There's no tithing and you bring an offering in the new covenant. I need to go over there and read Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. You know, he's saying that was in that back then. They done away with. And I said, well, is he making restitution and giving the folks the money back that he said that he, he taught them wrong all them years? Now he's coming clean, filthy rich, gets the Lord, calls the Lord, houses the Lord for you and your children. Now you want to come clean, which is between him and God, you know. But we've been warned by God. You know, the word of God has told us who these people are and that they would be exposed for who they really are in these last days. It's in Revelation. It's in Jeremiah. It's in Ezekiel. It's in Daniel. The word is there. And now they're coming out. God is revealing it. God is showing it. Even how we live uh, in this world with how we treat the environment. We learn so much of that. You know, God has given us not control of it, but the care and responsibility of it. You know, and so there's just a lot of light being shed on a lot of dark areas and a lot of places. And we want to be able to walk in the light as he is the light. We don't want to make ourselves an authority on nothing that God is the authority on. His word is the authority. And if we have any authority, the Bible says there's none that be that God did not allow it. And it's not to, you know, lean to what I think is right. It's not to push my agenda. It's not to push what I think. It's to preach and teach the word of God to the people of God, you know, with clarity, simplicity, and understanding, you know, and, and, and we have to be first to take it to be able to do it. And so I say that because my responsibility, first of all, is to be first partaker. And my responsibility is the oversight of what we're doing on creating a prayer culture for God. He dropped the revelation and told, told me to create a prayer culture for God. He told me how to do it. And uh, we're going to, we're going to have some, some uh, updates on that too in the near future because we need to we need to get back to what to what, what the original intent was that God gave for this. Uh, we were stretching a little bit with our time and whatnot. Sometimes with our uh, we just ramble on and on about some things sometimes, and, and we're going to police all that up. And so I'm, I'm just going out there with that. That is going to be a session that we're going to do to kind of like evaluate where we started from, where we're at, and are we on pace to do what God can mandated that we do or are we bending it a little bit or are we taking it you know out of the out of the realm of the boundaries that he said he set those boundaries he gave me explicit instructions what we're supposed to do and uh, i've been guilty myself i love to talk i love to share you know that's just me that's my nature i want to run my mouth to jesus but i also have to be cognizant that there are people out there who work 
you know, and I want to use that time that God originally gave us and get back into those boundaries right there, you know, and respect people's time. Uh, I'm, I'm retired. I certainly retired. Uh, he was retired. Derek is on his way to being retired. So we want to be able to stay within the confines of what God originally gave us. He'll bless it if we do it and, 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 and do it the way he originally told us to do it. And I know all of us are big mouth preachers. We love to just blah, 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 run our mouth, run our mouth. But we have to be have respect, what you've heard me say before, to the audience that we're ministering to. We'll lose people. They'll cut us off because we'll think they're still there because I'm sounding so good. And I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm laying it out there, man. I'm, I'm dropping scriptures on them, you know. But what about what God originally told us to do? That's why we say sometimes it's good to go back to the beginning, right? We went back to Genesis to check out the environment. Well, we have to go back to our original mandate from God, and we're going to do that, and I'll talk more about that. But let's get in here this morning and kind of look at one of these precepts here. I want to say precept. Uh, we went through A, went through B, because verse 7 says, Beloved, let A here says, let us, okay, B says, love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is, uh, C-N-D here talks about being born of God and knoweth God. And it says this proves that we are born of God and that we know God. You know what we do, what we say, how we do it, how we say it. Let's the world out there that's listening to us, or the audience out there, whether that be family members joining us, friends joining us. Uh, you know, let them know number one that we're born of God and that we know God. We're not God, but we're born of God and we know God. The best we can do through the Word of God, it fashions us and molds and shapes us to be more like God. And the hope is that when he shall appear, you know, we will be like him because we will see him the way he is. That that transformation is taking place right now. But the real transition is going to come when Jesus appears. We'll be instantly out of these bodies. There will be no more need for a physical body. And that's the only way we can see him. Now we're learning these things because it does not yet appear who or what we're going to be. But this one thing we do know, do know is that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, okay? And we'll see him the way he is. Why? We will have a different body. This old corruption going to put on incorruption. This old mortality going to put on immortality. And then we'll be right in the presence of the Lord. And that happens after the millennium. Millennium in a thousand-year reign. Once that's over, that's going to happen before Jesus comes back. Some people think he's going to come and rapture some church up out of here, and then the millennium is going to take place. But it's the other way around. You know, the, the millennia is going to happen first, and then the Lord is going to come back for his church, you know, and he's bringing the new Jerusalem with him. He's going to create the new heaven and earth, your own earth. He's going to replenish and restore it the way it was supposed to be from the beginning, you know, and so that's that's the word of God. Now, how people interpret that and twist that around and try to say, well, you know, God is going to, you know, no, give the people the word of God, but you got to have a good understanding of the word of God. You don't do no private interpretation. You let the word you know, interpret itself. That's how we prove to God that we know him and that we love him because we're giving them something to eat that God has given us to eat until we eat and be first partakers. We don't have a personal relationship with it. We're just discriminating it. But it has not done anything for my understanding because I didn't, to, I didn't get understanding. I got the word, but I didn't get understanding of the word. So therefore, my, my application of the word, it could be misleading. It could be a stumbling block. It could be an offense to people. So I have to be so, so careful and trust the process. This is just right. That right there proves that we're born of God and that we know God. Uh, not my word, it's his word. 
Amen. And so I need his understanding of his word and all my getting. And so we're going to look at C here and, uh, you know, just for uh, preference here in the book of John, chapter 14, verses 15 to 16, the King James Bible says, if we, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's it right there. Keep my commandments. Don't keep uh, what you think, but keep my commandments. Get rid of your old thinking. Get rid of your old way of doing things. Get rid of the tradition of, of men that makes the glorious gospel of no effect. And sometimes it sounds like we're holding on to some of our traditions. I know sometimes I think about how I was raised in the church, and I reference it sometimes. But that's not how I do things now because I was raised on the Baptist, and there was a lot of tradition. <clears throat> but I thank God how I was raised. But I thank God, man, that, hey, my parents took me for as they could. That wasn't everything. It was more for me to me to learn and know how to go in. And I thank God for that. It freed me because I found and heard the truth. And it freed me, made me free. And that same gospel that made me free is the gospel that I'm not I'm commanded to teach and preach any preacher. And so if it's made you free, why in the world would we not want someone else to be made free by it? You know, if it really made me free. And, that, and, and, and that's what kind of keeps me boxed in, is that I know what made me free. I know the gospel that made me free. And see, I can't say what the gospel was that made you free. I like to think it was the same gospel. A lot of times I'm able to determine that, but that's proven by, uh, you know, what I do and how I do it. And so if I talk, I talk a lot about what made me free. I know I didn't free myself. I couldn't save myself. Every time I think about why God chose me, why he picked me out for himself, it brings tears to my eyes. I'm broken with that. And I don't want to do nothing but talk about that. And sometimes I get stuck talking about that, you know, because I know it wasn't me that saved me. I know it's not going to be me that saved nobody, but it's going to be the same God because he don't change. He saved me 8 September 1990. I thought I was raised in the church. It means that I was saved because the church don't save nobody. It's the God that's the head of the church. That's who saves. And he, he he instituted the church so that people could get the word out that he saved. And this is what Paul was, was doing in Antioch. You know, when Paul said, oh, hold, hold it, wait a minute, I'm persecuting the saints. And the Lord spoke to Paul on the road to the master, blinded him to get his attention. Hey, Paul, it is no power in that letter from Caesar to save nobody. You're persecuting people with that letter. My letter to the people is to save them. And Paul was corrected, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, sealed, filled, healed, ignited to go out in our man and correct all the wrongs that he had did. And I thank God for the lessons I learned from the way Paul did things. You know, he had that reminder for the rest of his days, he did it God's way. Up, up until that point, to that experience on the road to the master that we read in the book of Acts, I want to say chapter 9 or chapter 10, but Paul had that experience right after persecute, right after watching them persecute Stephen, who was a man who loved Jesus Christ and, and stood for it, man, and talked about it, died, was mortared because of it. Stoned it dead while Paul held the coats of those who stoned them in the book of Acts chapter 7. We see that all the way to the end, just like Jesus. And the Bible said that's about the only time that Jesus really got up and looked, you know, kind of looked over the realm of heaven, man, and heard that voice saying the same thing that Jesus said, Father, you know, forgive them, but they know not what they're doing. See, that's, that proves right there, okay, that we're born of God and that we know God. 
it's, it's holding and restraining myself sometimes from, from wanting to talk about me, myself, and I, but to talk about God, you know, and God got it. We need to bring the Lord up out of his seat, man, because we're talking so much about him that he released what it is that we're talking about him. We're reminding him, well, God, you said that if I heal you, you heal. If I save you, you're saved. God, you are my praise. We need to keep on saying it so much. God, you commanded us through the apostle Paul in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 42 of the King James Bible in the preceding verses, that we are commanded, Lord God, to, to preach your word to your people, Lord God, and to testify about Jesus Christ, the mysteries, the revealing, the revelations, oh God, that he is the God of life and the God of death, you know? And a lot of people just see him as the God of life, and that's all we preach, life through Jesus Christ. Are we getting saved? We don't talk about, you know, the ways of sin and death to give to God eternal life. That's God's word, too. We don't like to talk about that. It ain't pretty. It's ugly. But it warns people that no man is without sin. If you are, you're a liar and the truth ain't in you. And sometimes we try to carry ourselves like we're not sinners saved by grace. It's not, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're sinners because we sin. No. We sin because we're sinners. We're just saved by grace, and that's not of ourselves that we should boast about it. It ain't all the works of righteousness that we've done. I don't care how long you were, we were in the church. Until you enter or we enter into that person, this is anybody. This is the universal thing I love about God's message. It squares off the playing field. Nobody got no advantages here. I don't have any because I'm saved and my family members are not saved. I'm saved. My friends are not saved. I distinctly remember when Pastor Sherry and I got saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. Our first concern was the spiritual condition of our family. Isn't that what the Lord said? After that, the Holy Ghost come upon you, shall receive power to be a witness. Where did he send those people to be a witness? Those those Jewish disciples that were there on the day of Pentecost when he poured out his spirit on them. Where did he send them? He sent them back to their families. Where did Peter go? He went to Cornelius' house where his family was. And some friends, but the whole house of his family got saved. And we took that thing personal and we went on a mission. Our commission was to go to them. And we went, and I never will forget. We started talking about getting our mother saved. You know, our dad said, went on, my dad was still alive, but I had a chance to minister to him. He came to Virginia in 1992 when I got going and put my robe on with an oxygen tank. My sister drove him all the way up there. You know, now he's been in church all his life longer than I had, but he won't say. And he laughed and joked when I told him that he wasn't saved. That was all new territory, but, but he got saved. Mm. Wasn't no doubt in my mind when I did his eulogy that he was saved and where he was at at 78 years old. Well, guess what? My mom was in the same boat, the church all her life, raised us in the church all her life. And when she came to D.C. and spent them two weeks with us, man, we worked on her. She got saved. It was hard. She was stubborn. But she sat there. We pulled that Bible out. We worked on her. Got in that chair, man. And, boy, we started praying and laid hands on her, man. And she saw the word. She said, well, I see it right there in the word, so I can't stop it. See, she'd never seen it before. Romans, you know, and we ministered to her. She started confessing up in there, man, just like the words say, man. And, and I'm telling you, man, when she heard that word before you know it, just like in Canadians, the Holy Ghost came on her. She started speaking in tongues. We just backed off and just let her go sound like a big old gobbler turkey just sitting at you. But it was no doubt in my mind after that, you can go back down to the 
to that Baptist church in Macedonia for whatever you want to go, but I know you say that. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? We paid uh, my mother-in-law, Miss Osa, visit too. We went in that room and she was sitting on the side of that bed, sharing on one side, I'm on the other side, and we started ministering to Miss Osa, and God bless both of their souls that going on to be with the Lord now. And guess what? The same thing happened there. She got saved, got filled, speaking in tongues. You know, we went right on, because people don't know this, right on and paid uh, Pastor Bob and Pastor Jacob did. And ministered to them. Pastor Sharon had Bob in one room, I had Jake in another room. You know, we wanted our family members to be saved. How can we be saved by the love of God, the power of God, and not want somebody else to be saved, especially unsaved family members? And sometimes we bite our tongue, and I've lost. I, my family, some of my family members, I'm going to be honest, and y'all know it, have turned their back on me because of who I am in Christ Jesus. Not who I am. I ain't made myself be nobody. I'm okay with that because one thing is for sure. They have heard the word come out of my mouth every time I've had a chance to speak to them. Whether it be at a family reunion, whether it be at a homegoing service, anytime. And I buried my dad, my stepdad, my mom, my brothers, all the cousins, a bunch of them, you know. And a lot of them thought they were saved, you know. And I had one thing to share with them. It was how to make sure that you're going to spend eternity with them through salvation. And it ain't of me, it's of God. And some of them been in church all their life. And, and when I opened up the scripture, the same volume of scriptures about salvation. It was amazing when I read it to them and asked them had they ever, they had never heard it before, but those were diligent people, diligent church members, went to church, loved the church, loved the pastors, loved serving, loved working in the church. But when they heard that it's not by works of righteousness that you're saved, and I said, you want to know how to be saved? It's so simple. Boom, it broke it down to them, and they got saved. Didn't have to be in no big mega church and have no platform. Never asked them for one penny. Drove miles to, to, to just have that talk with them. I remember when my dad was in the hospital when he died. I came all the way from Panama. My brother Robert deceased and, and, and brother-in-law, they picked me up in Atlanta, pouring down rain, drove me straight to the hospital. My dad was gone. And just a few rooms over was my auntie Grace, his sister. And my mom did not want her to know her brother had just died around the corner. But I went in her room and she was telling Jesus she was ready to be with him. She had just had a, a leg amputated. A lot of her family had put her there and rolled off and said she was out of her mind. She had dementia and part all kind of stuff. And I said, well, Mom, can I go around? It's 11 o'clock at night. Thomasville Hospital. Can I go around there and just, just, just see Aunt Grace before I leave? She said, the nurse is right over my mom. She said, uh, you have to It's okay. Just be quiet. It's after, after hours. I walked to the door, pushed the door I'm in the room, man, and she was in there talking to Jesus. Now, they said she's crazy, but she could talk to Jesus. They said she had lost her mind. It goes to come, but she was talking to Jesus. I heard everything she said. She was telling the Lord she was ready to get out of there. Because her family member had forgotten her and, 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 and just put her there, thinking that that was the end, not concerned about how it's going to end. Was she ready for the end? Was she ready for the transition? And I walked in that room, and as soon as I opened, I walked to put the door open, I stepped in the room. The light was off except for the bedside light. And and I said, I said, uh, Aunt Grace? She said, mm-hmm. I said, you know who this is? She said, yeah, I know who that is. And she hadn't seen me in I don't know how many years. Hadn't heard my boy in how many years. She said, I know who that is. <laughs> I said, who is this? 
She said, that's my nephew left. Minister, minister, minister left. She said, ain't you a minister? I said, yes, ma'am. Some I said, yes, ma'am. I knew I was in the right place at the right time, 11 o'clock at night. 11 o'clock at night. So I said, Grace, now come over. She said, come on around here. Boy, let me see you. I came around there in that little light. She looked up. She said, oh, well, all have mercy. She said, boy, you look so much like me. You look so much like you. your mom. You look so much like you. look so much like Billy. Like right, Mr. Lewis. Hey, she just saw a laugh. I said, Grace, the reason I'm here is I want to make sure that what you were singing and saying to the Lord, that it really happens that way. I said, do you know for sure that that's where you're going? If these are coming and take you, that's where you're going? what you were singing about. She said, I hope so. That was my opening. I hope so. I said, okay, then, well, let's make sure. Had a little Gideon Bible. I opened up the Bible and turned to Romans 10 and read that to her. Went to Titus 3 through verses, chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Read that to her. Went over to the book of John, chapter 3. Now, she knew the book of John, chapter 3, verse, verse 16. She knew that. You know, no, no doubt about it. So she was already the highway there. And I went over all them scriptures with her because, see, Pastor Sharon and I, we got saved. These were the scriptures that were taught to us in the New Member of New Congress class. So now there's no doubt about defending our salvation based on the word. I don't care who you were. And so I shared those same scriptures with her that got us saved. And she said, well, I said, so do you want to do this right now to make sure? She said, yeah, I, I need to because I want to be sure about that. And she confessed and repented. I'm telling you, it was a beautiful thing at 11 o'clock at night. I said, well, ain't great. So I'm going to let you get your rest and keep singing your song. I love you, and uh, I'll be checking on you. She said, don't, don't, don't forget to come see me now when you're in. I said, okay. She said, say, say, say hi to Lyle and the rest. I said, yes, ma'am. Walked out that room, man, rejoicing. And the many of people that Bachelor and I have ministered to, that was, that's the way we ministered to them. It wasn't no big platform where it was about us up on some, some, some stage or something like that, beating the people down to get them saved. No, no, it was in people's houses that we got invited to. Sometimes two, three o'clock at night, we ministered salvation all up and down the road in people's houses. And people going to meat market, giving us whole hogs and vegetables to take back to Virginia. We used to load that beam down. But see, that was, that was, that was, that was keeping God's commandments. Remember, I think uh, Pastor Peter, Pastor Eric touched on it yesterday. What was the mission? What was the commission in the book of book of uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, King James Bible? He said, go you into all the world and, and, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them all the things that I taught you, that I gave you, I commanded you to teach. He commanded us to teach and preach the word of God to his people. That was the great commission. If you go read the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18, you know, it, it's that that lets God know and proves that we are born of God and that we know God, mm-hmm. you know, that we know God. If ye love me, keep my commandments. He told Peter, Peter, who do men say that I am? And Peter gave the appropriate answer. He said, but who do you say that I am? And when Peter responded, he right away let God know that I know God. I know who you are now. I denied you. Don't make no mistake about it. But remember, the Lord is the one who told Peter, Satan is the one who wants to sift you to desire to sift you like we. But I prayed for you, Peter. So he couldn't succeed. Satan cannot succeed when Jesus prayed for us. And right now, he is our high priest and intercessor, interceding for us daily. He don't slumber, he don't sleep. And so this is how we prove that we are born of God. When we know this and we share this with people. That takes the focus off of us trying to look like somebody or be somebody. You know, a lot of times we talk about some of the 
some of our brothers in the pulpit, how they let themselves go and they're preaching to people over here condemnation. But at the same time, they are bound by the appetite or by, by, you know, being what we call a glutton. And so is is, is one sin more or less than the other? I mean, maybe, maybe you know how to tell people how to be saved, not being saved yourself, not by the word. But over here, you're struggling with this over here. And it's like you're looking at people, people looking at you. And sometimes people draw conclusions. I know I do. I'd be saying, how can you be so powerful over here, man, and let appetite beat you down like that? That you're now, you're now so, you're you're now such a such a turn off to me because you're sweating, you're struggling. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sitting there saying, why don't you do something to help yourself, man? That 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 will prove to to, to God that you know God, which required all of the scriptures. We're required to live by all of the scriptures to be first protected, not pick the ones in there just because somebody put a title on you and say you got to go condemn people and beat people down and send them to hell and you know and tell them you know how they think. You don't know how nobody think. I don't know how nobody think. I like to think that they're thinking about what I'm saying to them about God. That's where it begins. You provoke their thinking. I don't try to think for them. I don't try to get out there and say I know how they think. I can discern based on certain actions. You know, that's, that's the closer we can get. We can discern. We don't know how nobody think. We can't. We don't know what God ain't gonna do. But we do know what the scriptures say. He has done. He's doing, and he will do. That's been foretold, and that's where we need to be right there. And don't add no private interpretation to it. So we we're gonna get back in here. I kind of got. I won't say all the Bible, but you know, I got the Holy Ghost. So sometimes you know what we need to hear, and uh, it's all right here in the text anyway. Uh, just kind of uh, all about it. We love if you, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Comforter that He may abide with you forever. See, the Holy Spirit has come alongside of me this morning. He knows how y'all thinking. He knows my audience out there what they need. I'm trusting Him now that what I'm saying is reaching somebody that need to hear it. It may not be you. Sometimes the three or four people on this line think that I'm only talking to them. I know that there's a podcast that carries this message way out there, way out there, okay? And that's 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 God doing that. He created this prayer culture for that reason. And I'm not here preaching the podcast. I'm preaching the message over the podcast, you know? Thank God for the podcast. Thank God for all of those 15,000 radio stations that's airing this, this word of truth. But that's not what I'm preaching. God don't, you know, the, the word of God is what will not come back void. I mean, I thank God for it. I mean, I thank God for the technical, smart people that set it up so that we can distribute and declare and get the word out. You know, I thank God. But see, I give God all the praise for them, too. You know, you know, I thank God. It's a blessing, you know. But I also have the Holy Ghost that can put this word on the wings of the spirit and let it soar like an eagle. And the word of God will go out as we read in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 11 of the King James Bible. And it goes out and it will not come back void. I leave it up to God how he gets the word out to people, how he used the word to convict people. But it's when it comes out of our mouth as God's mouthpieces, it now goes places. Because you have to understand, the word that we speak is spirit and life. So there's no limit to the spirit. You can't pack him into a, a certain geographical location. When we speak God's word, it's life and it's spirit. So the spirit takes that word and delivers it to the person that needs to, needs to hear it, wherever they might be. I, I don't I don't try to be God. 
you know. I just do what he told me to do as as my commission, you know. He said, go ye into all all of the world. And there's ways that we can go. We don't have to physically be there. We go there with the message. We go there, man, by declaring and speaking and preaching it. If we physically able to do it, then we do that too. If we're not, we don't shut our mouth and start preaching and teaching to dress what we want to. Just because we can't physically go there. I, I commend those those you know, missionaries that are out there carrying the gospel. The United States is one one nation that takes care of eighty five percent, used to be eighty five percent of all the missionary work. Other countries share that other fifteen percent. And we've seen what some of them are about. Some of them are actually not open to salvation through Jesus Christ, this death and resurrection. That's because somebody been carrying that word. They've been hearing it somewhere. Now you got internet capabilities. They man, they can go to church with us anytime they feel like. And there are a lot of followers in other countries right now. You know, but see, I give God the praise for that because he says some of us plant, some of us water, but God gives the increase. You know, we're not giving no increase. God is. God is drawing. As we keep lifting up his name in the earth, this says that we are born of God and we know God, you know, according to the word. Uh, over in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 22, 23, the King James Bible. And some of this may have, already, may have already heard it, but a lot of scriptures are going to show up in different in these different precepts. That's how, the, that's how the word is connected. Uh, we're dealing with C, precept C right now. And it talks about Judah. And uh, I'm getting ready to close here after this. Uh, two more scriptures I'm going to close. Judah saith unto him, now this scary is now. There was another Judah, Lord. How is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? My God. Jesus answered and saith unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our bow with him. So whoever's out there hearing what I'm saying right now, God's word, I expect the Lord to pay them a visit when I can't pay them a visit. Because they're somewhere hearing the word of God through the podcast, through through the through the you know the ways that the communication channels that we have out there that we use to distribute the word. So I expect what God said he's going to do right here as they hear and receive that word that it convict their hearts to a point where they begin to be broken. They begin to be humble. They begin to be to cry and know that they're not saved by grace through faith. And that the word of God would penetrate through those traditions that they're, they're holding on out to those idols they're worshiping and free them. Because that's what the word does. Jesus said, my will is that you know the truth and the truth make you free in the book of John chapter 8, verse 32 through 34. And if the son sets you free, then you're free indeed. Now you can stand fast in the liberty where Christ made you free and do not be entangled with the yoke of bondage again. You know, that's in the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, King James Bible. Signifying all these places that Paul wrote to, they had some problems with this. You know, and so we see it right there. He said, and my father will visit them. You just make sure you're putting it out there so we show up there. They've already heard the word, so they're expecting it. So when it happened, when God proved to them and manifested himself to them, they've already heard it, just like the prophets foretold. Some of it has happened. Some of it is happening now. Some of those prophecies are going to be fulfilled in the future. But we've heard them because they were written for our learning. So we don't, we're not thrown off when these things begin to happen, even though the warning sometimes cause judgment and wrath. We can't be thrown off. And be afraid to tell people, see, that's the warning of God against us because we did not keep his commandments. We did not hearken. Thank God there did a mouth of the dog that they're talking about. The first, you know, 14 verses in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. But he also talked about the 15 to the 
60-something verses after that, warning people that if you hearken to the voice of the Lord, you're going to have those blessings and do all that he's commanded you this day. But if you don't, it's going to be just the opposite judgment, you know. And so last verse right here, and then we're going to bring on Pastor Sharon about comments and open it up. Uh, it's in the book of John chapter 15, verses 27, the King James Bible. For the Father himself loveth you because ye have loved me. This is Jesus talking now. And have believed that I came out from the Father. That's Jesus talking to the people. And if we don't accept Jesus, which a lot of people don't, they call him a prophet, they, they talk about him like he's a nobody. But that's the only way to get to the Father. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except by me. He's the one that came and died. He's the one that took our place. He's the one that gave up the ghost. He's the one that said it's finished. He's the one that was glorified and not he's our high priest and the So with that being said, we're going to end the teaching this morning right there and bring on Pastor Sheriff. Father, we thank you. We praise you for what has been said. We thank you, Lord God, that we've been born of God and that we know God because of the word. It's not because of us. It's because of the word that you sent. Jesus Christ was a living word of God, and he came and dwelt among his own. And they didn't recognize him. So, Father, some of us don't recognize him. We recognize what we do. We recognize how good we are. But there's no goodness, Lord God, above the goodness of the Lord who loved us so much, the whole world, that he was willing to demonstrate it by sending his son. We ask ourselves sometimes, what sacrifices do we make to prove, God, that we're born of God and that we know God? Father, let this be a day of examination. Have we done all that we could do? Is there more that we can do? And let us consult you, God, and ask you to open those doors to put us in those places, God, that we'll continue to let our light so shine. We remember, Lord God, the one-on-one -on -one encounters. We remember the house visit. We remember seeing people getting saved that were supposed to be saved. Never did we ask them how you, you know, what. never did we try to tell them what they're thinking. Never did we try to tell them they wasn't saved. Never did we try to tell them they're going to die and bust hell wide open. But we simply shared with them how we got saved. And we let them know that the way you saved us, you will save them because you don't change. You're still the God of salvation regardless of what generation people hear it in. So let this be the generation that they hear the people of God talking about God and sharing salvation. Because we're born of God and we know God and we're loved by God. That you may pay them a visit the way you visited us. It's our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.